How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, we're going to be picking up a new study. We're working on trying to finish up the entirety of the New Testament in our walkthroughs, and so we're tying up some last uh, uh, bits here. And uh, speaking of which, is the the little letter of Philemon, the epistle of Paul the Apostle to Philemon, considered as the happiest book of the Bible. And so we're going to be taking a look down through here. We'll, we'll see how far we get. We might do up the whole thing in one shot. We'll see how it goes, but uh, yeah, we'll leave that up to the Lord. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens, and turn with me to the book of Philemon. And, of course, grab your tea, grab your coffee, grab your snacks, whatever it is you're having. Come join us at the table and uh, turn to Philemon as we go through it. If you have any comments, questions, issues, insights that you'd uh, like to uh, to uh, ask or, uh, or inquire about, go ahead. We'd be glad to hear from you. And uh, just if it's not related to the topic at hand, if you just hold that to the end of the study or to our next broadcast. We'll try to get to it then. But for now, we're going to be working through Philemon. And before we get going, I would like to take a look in this giant monstrosity, Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, as he's got some insights regarding Philemon that uh, might find interesting. This massive thing. Okay. So we have Philemon, and in Wilmington's Guide to the Bible, it has some interesting in, uh, uh, insights and some uh, views on it that we can glean from. So uh, we'll just get a, take a look at this. Philemon. And now this book, the shortest of all of Apostle Paul's epistles, is one of the four letters written during the first Roman Im imprisonment. The other prison epistles are Philippians, Colossians, and Ephesians. It is one of the four personal letters to individuals penned by Paul. This is a not so much as a doctrinal discourse as it is actually, as it says, a personal letter. Now we're going to be looking at, now the thing that we're going to be gleaning from this is some beautiful insights in regards to Christian character and whatnot. Now, the historical background of Philemon is as follows. Onesimus, a slave owned by Philemon, a wealthy Colossian believer and a longtime friend of Apostle Paul, had robbed his master and ran away to Rome. In a wonderful way, Onesimus's path crossed that of Paul, resulting in his glorious conversion to Christ. And upon hearing his testimony, Paul determined to send him back to Philemon. To prepare the way for what could be a very tense meeting, Paul pens this beautiful letter to Philemon as a masterpiece of Christian tact and ethics. This epistle demonstrates that, that our letter writing can be a ministry for God if we allow it to be so. Some who find it difficult to speak for God may well write for him. So really, you could think, think about this. A lot of people say, well, I don't know how to talk to people. I, I'm not a public speaker or whatever. Can you write? 
Can you write? Write letters, emails, even texts, whatever. Uh, uh, way, different ways to reach out to people, even across social media. The thing is, if it's a means uh, in the name of the Lord to reach other people about the truth of Christ, the Lord will use that. He'll bless that. So give it to the Lord. Now, the basis of this appeal, Philemon is asked to forgive and restore Onesimus for the sake of three individuals. For Onesimus' sake, the former dishonest slave had already learned so much in Rome and had proven to be such a help to the apostle, but his spiritual responsibility would demand that he now return and submit himself to Philemon. If he refused to do this, God's blessing upon him would be limited. For Philemon's sake, the name Onesimus means profitable. However, until his conversion, any resemblance between the name and his actions was purely accidental. But now Christ has made all things new. Therefore, if for no other reason, and indeed there were, were other good reasons, Philemon should restore Onesimus so that he might prove by his actions the meaning of his name. And thirdly, for Paul's sake, one of the most beautiful examples of imputation is found in the following words. If thou count me, therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he, if he had wronged thee or owed thee anything, put that on my account. So, some uh, beautiful uh, views here and some things to consider this as we dive into this passage. Now, as we also see in regarding this, the church at Philippi was founded as a result of, of supernatural vision experienced by Paul while at Troas during his second missionary trip, see Acts 16, 8-10, and it was apparently Apostle Paul's favorite church. So, some interesting things there. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Philemon. All right. <clears throat> Time to study the Word of God. Okay. Book of Philemon, the epistle of Paul the Apostle to Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Okay. Setting the, setting the stage, setting the theme here. As you see that this is a, uh, um, an, a prison epistle, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, yet he does not allow his state to dictate his faith or his work. It doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter the circumstances. Faithfulness unto Christ. Now, this is, of course, is much easier said than done, as I understand that. It's much easier said than done, but nonetheless, as we're set an example, we're set an example here. Uh, uh, though, though he's chained to soldiers, his freedom, his liberty is taken away. Yet we see prison ministry very effective. Uh, tons of people get saved, changed lives, completely altered uh, from even the the darkest circumstances of being a prisoner. But we see Apostle Paul, empowered by the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how many chains they had on him, how many, how many uh, floors deep in the earth in the dungeon he was, it wouldn't matter. The Lord is able to work. The Lord is able to use him. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. So you see also set, setting the stage here, showing 
the power of the Lord, regardless of my circumstances, working with others. Now, Paul may not have as much freedom and liberty to move around as he would like, but others are working with him that he can dictate. He can ask, he can tell, he can teach. There's so much that he can do. Even though you, you're not able to uh, so much as move around, there's still so much that you can do. Like, for example, I'm in my little two-bedroom apartment here, and uh, from and from this uh, camera, we're able to reach the world with the gospel. So th there are ways around everything. It doesn't matter where you are, what you are, what circumstance, God is able to make a way. So just leave it to him. He'll bring the help. He'll bring the means. He'll bring the ability. And uh, you give it all to the Lord as you work together, fellow laborer fellow laborer you work together as brothers and sisters in christ differences are irrelevant it's the gospel of jesus christ that binds us together we are blood kin we're blood kin so we see here paul a prisoner of jesus christ and timothy our brother unto philemon our dearly beloved and fellow laborer and to our beloved apphia and archippus our fellow soldier and to the church in thy house now here's something else to consider you may not be a one of those massive mega churches you got a couple hundred uh people in the congregation and you and you got a means and ability just pouring out the windows you'd be just this tiny little uh, little church just a couple people gathering at someone's house now church is not the building church is the people of course but as we see, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but more and the more as you see the day approaching. Whether two or three be gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Two people gathering together, worshipping the Lord Jesus Christ and singing his praises, is having church. How beautiful is that? It doesn't matter where you are, out in the field, in the woods, at a, at a sea, on an island, in the desert or or in uh, in a little apartment in the in a metropolis or in the back country town it doesn't matter where you are what your situation is the lord is able to work though though he you're against the sea he can part he can bring water from the rock in the wilderness he can make a way now this is the theme that we're seeing here is god makes a way god makes a way as paul paul is arrested and imprisoned god brings people to him so that he can still be beneficial he can still work and to our beloved Appian archippus our fellow soldier and to the church in thy house grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ and set, setting it up with the header of grace it's by god's grace that uh, praise the Lord is not based upon my my inabilities or any of these kinds of things. That it doesn't matter who I am, what I am, or, or what's going on, the Lord is able. And that my flesh, uh, though as evil as it can be, do, is not able to hinder, is not able to stop it. That the Lord still makes a way by sheer grace. Grace to you and peace. Because in this as well, you can think about it. Uh, this uh, The... The point regarding Onesimus, uh, a runaway, runaway slave who had robbed his uh, his his owner, and all this a runaway, this can cause a lot of issue, cause a lot of turmoil, some tension. But peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding, the peace of God by grace, 
is able to mend mend the fences, is able to fix uh, fix uh, the issue, is able to provide the need, grace and peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now look at this. To thank the Lord for each other. You see, in working together, working with one another, and uh, we're working in ministry and outreach and evangelism, preaching and teaching and all this, and worship of the Lord, are you actually thankful for one another? You can say you are, but there's thankfulness in word, and then there's thankfulness in deed. Thank thankfulness indeed is where you actually do pour out your heart to the Lord and praise the Lord and thank the Lord for the help. Thank the Lord for the circumstances. To thank the Lord for the chains. To thank the Lord for where you are and the different issues and different things that, that we have on. Which reminds me, um, was it last weekend? Uh, we put up some of those testimonies. And the one was of uh, Darlene Rose. The testimony of Darlene Rose. Please make sure you give that one a listen. And uh, the one is uh, she's talking about how she was imprisoned and uh, and she was hungry. And uh, the soldiers brought her some food, this bowl of, of rice. And she started re getting really happy because she, she saw oh, it looked like that they had uh, put uh, ground uh, coconut on her rice. And then she is eating it, looks closer. Oh, it's not coconut, it's maggots. It's maggots. Now, I don't know about you, I would have a lot of trouble. But starvation that will make you look past pretty much everything. And then she started thinking about it, and she gave thanks for that, and she ate it all anyways. And gave thanks for it anyways, and ate it all. <laughs> I guess rice comes with a little extra protein. But uh, the, the thing about it is thankfulness. Thankfulness. Uh, you, you can probably imagine that John the Baptist was thankful for the locusts and the wild honey. Thankful for the water from the rock. It didn't come from a Berkey filter. It came from a rock. Are you thankful for what is given? It's to learn humility. To kill pride. And to praise the Lord anyways for the circumstances, for the situation, no matter what it is. Are you ill? Give thanks for it. for Because what happens is it causes you to call upon the Lord more. You're dwelling on the Lord more, looking to the Lord for more strength. Is that not something to be thankful for? Are the, are the chains not something that Paul would be thankful for? Because in this, you get to see the hand of God more at work. Because now, since you're not able to do so much, now God is the one doing more. You get to see more of the hand of the Lord at work. Think about this. What is thankfulness? Being thankful. And also being thankful for the help you can get. Thankful for each other. Uh, that other people see, see needs and they meet the needs and pick up slack. And So you see, true thankfulness. True thankfulness in the family of Christ I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, praying for one another, bearing one another's burdens, thankful for one another, helping one another, interceding for one another. 
making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith. And so we see a constant communication, hearing of thy love and faith. So so you're being informed of one another. You're, you're keeping tabs with one another. And so you all are always aware of what's going on. Is there a need? You know what to pray for. Is there trouble? You know how to help. Is there something going on? You know what to do. Back and forth, back and forth. A true family. A true family. Uh, praying for one another. Helping one another. Thanking one another. Strengthening one another. Leaning upon one another. As we're not an army of one. We all have a part to play in all of our work. We're not an island unto ourselves. No man is an island unto himself, as the saying goes. Making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now, we're seeing a, a little bit of insight here as well into Philemon. As Apostle Paul is not one that that as you see when you study through his writings uh, through the new testament apostle paul is not an individual that minces words he's not afraid to call a spade a spade he's not afraid to let the chips fall where they might he's not afraid to call people out for different things and he doesn't make stuff up he doesn't fib he doesn't exaggerate and so the the very fact that we see the character of the Apostle Paul through his writings, we can then deduce that what he says here is absolute truth. Also, the fact that he's inspired by the Spirit of God and that the Holy Ghost is speaking through him. Now, going back to Philemon here, as we see, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith. So we see Philemon is a man of great faith in christ great faith in the lord and has as you see of thy love and faith great love of the lord and great love of the faith which thou hast also not just of the faith of christ which thou also hast toward the lord jesus and toward all saints and towards all saints so he's an individual philemon is an individual his character is sincere and zealous of the born-again Christian faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and the church, the saints. He truly cares about the saints. He truly cares about these. And as we see, as these two are great friends, he also has great love and, and uh, admiration of the Apostle Paul. Okay, so we're, we're really able to see the character of Philemon here and this is what Paul is bringing up to the surface is he's he's hinging the rest of the letter on this Christian character the Christian character not just the Christian character Christ-like character the Christ-like character now going into verse 6 so we see, which thou hast of love and faith, love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. You see that Paul is setting up, setting it up here. Because as you truly love the saints, you love the saints in your faith in Christ and your faithfulness to the faith and all this. He's, this is what he's heading to because uh, Onesimus now. So you see what he's doing. He's setting up the stage. Verse 6. 
So, uh, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The communication. So it's not that just that he loves the Lord Jesus, loves loves the faith and loves the brethren, and his faith in Christ is strong and solid, and his his, his faithfulness to the other saints, but also in that he's he's a strong communicator. He's a strong communicator. He doesn't really keep things to himself much. That he's uh, very open about this, like the Apostle Paul. So, who would have trained Philemon? Who would have showed Philemon that this is the way that we're supposed to operate? Well, that'd be the Apostle Paul here. So as we see, the character of Paul in teaching and showing and leading and in demonstration of this in the communication of the faith, we see he's, he showed Philemon this is how we're supposed to be, and Philemon seeks to exemplify this as much as he can. So Philemon and Paul are on, on the same page here of communication of the faith. So in everything that you do and all your speech salted with grace and your love and faithfulness to the brethren and your love and faithfulness unto Christ and all things that the communication of thy faith may become effectual, able to be of strong use, effective, may, may be effective, effective, by the acknowledging of every good thing that every every good thing that occurs we praise the lord for it we make mention of it we seek it out and, and we seek to to give thanks to to the lord and be thankful for every good thing and isn't the salvation of onesimus truly a good thing that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So which is in you, which is not uh, just in us of uh, love and faithfulness, but which is in our ability, which is in our circle of influence, which, which we are able to affect. You see that? For... Uh, um, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Because we know that in us, in us, we have no goodness in ourselves. We have no ability of our own. There's nothing that we can do. For all have fallen away, all have become corrupt, there's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, as we see that we have no goodness, no righteousness in us. No righteousness in us. But we see that all the goodness, all the righteousness that that is seen is not ours, but is his. But is his. As we see that all righteousness is his all goodness is his that we can't take ownership we cannot claim as our own any any good thing that does occur the only reason that we see goodness in our lives is by the grace of god it's by the grace of god because we are not good we we are we ourselves are not holy we have nothing Everything that, that we have, we have to give to the Lord and praise the Lord for. And if I may, uh, there's uh, something I wrote this morning I would like to share with you that's just right in this, in this alley. 
It's called A Devil and Me. This devil haunts me. I will never be free. For it's bound to fight, torment, and bite, regardless of my plea. Nothing is sacred to it, not Bible or church or prayer. In a moment of worship it defiles the mind, for it doesn't care. Tantrums and curses, apathy and lust, hatred and grudges constant, I feel completely lost. In the mirror I see it plainly, nothing can cast it out, for this devil is my sinful flesh, causing my salvation to doubt. Thank you, Lord Jesus, I'm saved by faith through grace, because how could a devil like I earn salvation in your place? Our flesh, as we see by Romans chapter 7, I know that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. And so therefore, as we see that all goodness, all goodness must be given to the Lord. All goodness comes from Him. Every good thing, every great thing comes, comes from the Father of lights, comes from God by His grace. I am nothing. I'm uh, I'm a devil that's become a saint. And it's only by sheer mercy and grace. So when we truly see ourselves in this vein, truly see ourselves in this light, we can then really begin to understand the depth of the power of God unto salvation. And that makes us praise him. And that makes us truly love each other that much more. Because... We see where we've come from, and we join together hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder, to praise the Lord Most High for what He's done for us. That He has made us good. He has made us acceptable. He has imp imputed His righteousness unto us. And so, in this understanding, which Paul understood and Philemon understood, how much more should we overlook each other's faults? We should overlook each other's faults, overlook each other's differences, overlook uh, the things that we may even disagree, overlook this and praise the Lord anyways. Praise the Lord anyways. That even if you're you're a runaway thieving slave, you that that, that a slave that that you robbed your owner and ran away, you broke the law, and you got born again saved. Well, I can't blame you for everything that happened before. I can't blame you for everything that happened before. You were a devil. You were a devil. Now you're a saint. And, and the Lord has forgiven you for everything. Who do I think I am to hold your past against you? Who do I think I am to hold anything against you? It doesn't matter who or what you were. It doesn't matter what you did. Even if it's the most horrible, heinous, grotesque thing, you were a devil. I can't blame that. Devils do what devils do. But now that you're a born-again saint, you're a born-again Christian, birthed into the new life, washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and dwelt with the Spirit of the Most High God, I can't hold anything against you. I forgive you for everything. I look at you in a, with a clean slate as the Lord would look at you. I forgive you as the Lord forgive you. I pour grace upon you as the Lord poured grace upon you. This. This 
is what Paul is building up and is bringing to the mind of Philemon so that they, Paul and Philemon, can, can rise up and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ as they look upon Onesimus. As Onesimus is now one of them. Onesimus is now one of them. A devil become a saint. Look at verse 7. For we have great joy, great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels, the heart, of the saints are refreshed by thee brother let's take a look at something here now some people have have trouble trying to understand what do they mean by the bowels of the saints <laughs> what do i mean by bowels of the saints well that's heart lungs liver etc as the bowels were regarded as the seat of the more violent passions such as anger and love but by the Hebrews as the seat of the tender affections, especially kindness, benevolence, compassion, hence our heart, tender mercies. So that's what Paul means by there. That uh, this is where they, they viewed as these passions came from. This is what that's talking about. Because you could say the passions of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. It's refreshing. See, seeing someone who's so on fire for the Lord in such pure, simple sincerity is so refreshing. I'm telling you, it's so refreshing. Seeing someone who's not who's not been tainted by the Pharisaical legalism and is just pure, simple, zealous passion of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's refreshing. That's refreshing. It's exciting. And seeing someone on fire for the Lord like that, it's exciting. That's what Paul's getting at here. For we have great joy, great joy and consolation in thy love, because the passions, you could say passions of the saints, are refreshed by thee. That Philemon, you see his character, such a change from a pagan to a saint. Now, when uh, as Paul is building up, as Paul's describing him, Paul is a man that you can take him at his word. That what Paul says is the God-honest truth. Would you not say? So uh, Paul is he's talking about that that the passions, the heart, the 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 uh, behaviors and the effect effect that he has towards other Christians. That when Philemon walks in the room, all the other saints light up. He's that kind of a character. He's that kind of a character that when Philemon walks in the room, everyone turns like, hey, is all really excited. Hey, how's it going, Philemon? It's, he's that kind of person in the Lord. This is who he is. And you can you can tell by that that that's the kind of person that Paul would love to hang out with and Paul would be great friends with. This is Philemon. So you see that Paul is first reaching the heart of Philemon, reminding Philemon yet again first, first and foremost before everything, reminding him of the passion of Christ, reminding him of the faithfulness of the saints, reminding him of the Christ-likeness in character, reminding him of these things, building this up, Christ-likeness first, building this up before he even mentions Onesimus. Because issues that could have an effect of negativity issues circumstances that that do occur that do happen in our lives that can bring us down how do we fight back how do we fight back well as it says in the word of god the garment of praise is given for the spirit of heaviness 
that when you're going to be going into something that is heavy, or if you're in something that is heavy, or if you're going to come out of something that is heavy, you fight against it with the praise of Christ. You fight against it with the praise of Christ. You lift up the Lord. You praise the Lord. You focus on the spirit, not the flesh. You listen to the Lord, not yourself. You listen to the Lord, not your own feelings and opinions. You praise the Lord and you be thankful to the Lord, regardless what it is. You be thankful to the Lord for even the valleys of the shadow of death. Because as you're standing down in the valley of the shadow of death, you have nowhere to look but up. You have no one to call upon but the Lord. You have no help but the Lord. You have no protection but Christ. Is that not then something to be thankful for? A, a circumstance that has helped you to learn, to grow in, to become even more strengthened in, in your praise and faith in Christ. That trials and tribulations, hardships and circumstances, and negative circumstances are are lessons in which that we can learn how to give how to give thanks to the lord and praise christ because if your faith is only strong when things are going well then did you ever have faith give that a thought so on philemon's mind then onesimus would be a little bit of a dark chapter uh, it would have been uh, discovering that Onesimus has run away, not just run away, but robbed him, that on a personal level, we would be annoyed, hurt, angry, frustrated, flustered, the whole nine yards, and, and, and that it can cause us to be in a foul mood or whatever else, and it can be, and depending on how it occurred, it, there could be true hardships regarding this. And in, in other people's eyes, it would, that you might say, lose face with uh, with other people. Who knows? Who knows? We're speculating, but who knows? That So therefore, how do we deal with this? We got to give it to the Lord. Cast all our care upon the Lord, for he careth for us. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, and we give it to the Lord. Or we come before the Lord in all things, and we give thanks anyways. Give thanks anyways, because now this is an opportunity to watch God work. And truly, this was. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the passions of the saints, the bowels of the saints, are refreshed by thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee, that, that which is convenient, yet for love's sake, rather, I beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Talking about, you know, how I'd love to be able to come and see you face to face and sit down with you and talk about these things face to face. I can't because I'm old and also chained up. So I'm just writing you instead. That's literally what he just said. And he's pulling the uh, I'm old card. So, uh, yet for love's sake, I, I rather beseech thee, being such a one as Paul the age, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, uh, he's striking, now not just on a Christian level, talking from a, a position of uh, leader of the faith, and talking from a stance amongst the brethren, but rather he's now talking to Philemon on a very personal level, as they're true friends. They're true friends, and as he says... I have something that I, I want to beseech you about. I want to beg of you. Now, who could resist Apostle Paul? 
because of Paul, your uh, his preaching and his faithfulness. Uh, and you heard the gospel. You got saved, and he showed you, and he taught you the gospel. He taught you the truth of Christ. He started a church in your area, of which you are now a member of, and and he's been a long time the best friend of you. And all of a sudden, Paul's now coming to you in letter, and and, and is and is imploring you begging of you something who could who would refuse paul imagine if apostle paul was your best friend and he wrote you a letter and says can i please beg beg uh, something of you could you do something for me would you say no would you resist him would you deny him like think about this just for a moment but nonetheless paul asks and and you you know when you know someone so well that you know that they won't refuse you regardless what of what it would be regardless what imposition they would not resist you they would not deny you this is the kind of relationship philemon and paul had wherefore though i might be much much bold in christ to enjoin thee which would be convenient yet for love's sake i'd rather beseech you being such a one as paul the age and now also a prisoner of jesus christ i beseech you I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. Now look at the words. He doesn't say, I beseech you regarding Onesimus. Because because of Paul, Philemon, in a sense, spiritually, as as the term is, uh, Paul will call him my son in the faith. Because through Paul's preaching, he begat him in this regard, is that he led him to the Lord. So this is just this is just the familial language. This is not like, you know, how Catholics, you know, they say you call every priest your father kind of thing. It's not like that. This is this is on a familial level. Not not spiritual. This is familial. Also because of Paul and his age and all of this. So Philemon was led to the Lord by Paul, as well as we see now Onesimus, and he's referring to Onesimus in the same kind of language that he refers to Philemon. I want to ask of you, I want to inquire of you, beg of you regarding my son Onesimus. Now, could you imagine the reaction of Philemon? He's he's he, he sees that he got got a, a a letter in the mail, scroll in the mail, and he opens it up and sees it's from Paul. He's like, oh, it's from Paul, and he's reading down through, and he says, and I beseech you regarding my son Onesimus. That's a name I bet you Philemon never thought he'd ever hear again. What are the odds that in all of the known world? Because this, because now when you, in your strong faith in Christ, that all good things come from the Lord, that the Lord is in control of all things in this regard like this, as we see, okay, now what are the odds that in all the known world, that Onesimus just happened to go, not just to Rome, but to the very area and location of where apostle paul is okay how'd that happen 
Someone was at work here. Someone was at work. Someone was with Onesimus, putting it in his mind. You should maybe maybe go if you're gonna run, maybe you should run to Rome. Not just to Rome. What about this area? Let's go over here. Let's go over here. Someone was steering and directing Onesimus, and at the same time steering and directing Paul, so that they would have a divine appointment. A divine appointment. At how the Lord worked such a beautiful thing out of this. And Onesimus hears the gospel and gets born again saved. And not just saved, but now not just saved, uh, led to the Lord by anyone, but Apostle Paul, the individual that Philemon would be most inclined to listen to. Because it was just any other person he may not have had as close a relationship, even though brothers or sisters in Christ may not have had as much of a relationship with them as he did with Paul. So, not just any Christian, but Paul, who has the most influence upon Philemon. You see, the level of impossibility that has occurred. A miracle. An absolute supernatural manipulation to a divine appointment. I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I am old and chained up, unable to do anything, and Onesimus crossed my path, and I witnessed to him, and he got saved. You see how circumstances and situations are absolutely irrelevant. Your age, your capability, your location, your circumstances, doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it, if it is something that has been ripped away from you that the Lord is able to, to turn it into something that is of such a power and grace and praise of God. You see that? You see this, and this, this is what Paul is hinging it on for Philemon to understand. Because look what he says. So it says, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, who I led to the Lord while I was chained up. <laughs> like Philemon would be looking at that and be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. How the Lord worked this out. Paul is chained up to soldiers and is still leading people to the Lord, but not just leading anybody to the Lord, but Onesimus who ran away and just happened to run away in the right direction. Like, look at how the Lord worked it all out. This is all of all of the Lord. This is all of Christ. You have to praise the Lord. You have to praise the Lord. Like, like who would I be to get upset about this? Like, all, all of my frustration would just have to be dropped. Because... I wasn't seeing it the way that the Lord is working out. As it says in the Psalms, I spake in my haste. I spake in my haste and I didn't see it for the way that the Lord could see it. I didn't give thanks to him about it. I let it stir up my emotions and I got upset and I, and I sinned against the Lord as I spoke in my haste. Lord, forgive me for getting upset about it. You knew what you were doing. 
you're able to turn it around you're able to work it out it doesn't matter who it is what it is what's going on where i am what my situation is it doesn't matter if i'm old if i'm young if i'm free if i'm bound up it doesn't matter doesn't matter i'll praise the lord most high for he's the one that does it i've begotten in my bonds <laughs> that's just awesome I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Uh, as he used to work for you, he, he was a bit of a trouble. He was ungrateful and all of this and unprofitable. It, it, it was just a hardship for you. But now look at him. He is our brother in Christ. He is our equal. Though he's your servant, though he's your slave, he's your brother in Jesus Christ. And that in and of itself would cause Philemon to even treat Onesimus and look upon him even differently. That we don't look at each other through the lens of societal elevation. We don't look at each other through, I have more money than you, I have a bigger home than you, I have this than you, I have this or that or whatever else. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're living in a cardboard box or a giant 18 room mansion. It doesn't matter uh, where you are, what you are, what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter if you're a beggar or, or if you're a billionaire. It doesn't matter. We're equal. We're equals. Though you may have a high education and all the doctorates and everything else, or you could be an uneducated fisherman, we're equals. doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. We're equals in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what Paul is also getting across and reminding Philemon about as well in this. To not look at Onesimus as a slave. Though, he, though as this was the time, this was the way the world was back then, and Philemon was a Gentile, and there were slave markets, he purchased Onesimus as a slave for, for his property. And though Philemon had purchased Onesimus, was his owner and master, Philemon, you have a master, Jesus Christ. And look at how he treats you. Though Onesimus may be your slave, your servant, you show him the same forgiveness, same grace, same mercy, same love, the same faith as the Lord Jesus has shown you. Look at this. Which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now is profitable. Not just profitable to you, but also profitable to me. Because now look at this. I'm bound. I'm old and I'm bound up and I can't do much. But Onesimus, a young man, look, he's now taught by Christ and faithful to Christ. He's able to take the ministry as I've shown him and he's able to carry it out. He's able to do all this for me, with me, with you. That Onesimus can now work with you in your church he's able to work with you in your area he's not just profitable to, to to me but to thee whom i have sent again now this is also seen as see it would have been different it would have been something else you see if paul wrote and talked about anisimus and anisimus stayed here stayed with paul would philemon have forgiven onesimus the debt that's what's called a biblical hypothesis a biblical theory Personally, I would say, given by what's laid out by Philemon, regarding Philemon and his character by Paul here, I would I would venture to say Philemon would have forgiven Onesimus the debt. Philemon would have struck Onesimus off the 
the ownership papers and would have given him his freedom. I personally believe that Philemon would have done that. But we see something else here, though. Onesimus of his own volition. Onesimus volunteered to return. Now, Paul would have been showing Onesimus the faithfulness of Christ and the truth of Christ, Christ's character. And we see Onesimus chose to return to repay the debt. As he had learned how he had a debt to the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ forgave him. He, he, uh, he had, uh, our sins have separated us from God. And we see unto us is given the message of reconciliation. And we see Onesimus is putting into practice this lesson of reconciliation by returning to Philemon. Carrying up Christ-likeness. Carrying up faithfulness. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, my own passion. So so when you see him, it's like you're seeing me. That, uh, oh, that Philemon, what I'm asking of you, Philemon, Paul says, Philemon, what I'm asking of you is that you would look at Onesimus and treat him the same way that you would look upon me and treat me. That my passions are in him now. That the, the love that, that I have, he now loves. The faith that I have, he now has. To treat each other as equals in honesty and sincerity and faithfulness. And the love of Christ. Receive him, that is, mine own bowels, my own passion. Whom I, whom I would have retained with me. I wanted to keep him with me because there's, there's so much he could have done for me. There's so much that he could have done in helping me and, and caring for me and, and carrying out things for me. Uh, he could have, he could, could have worked with me in such power and effectiveness. But I would have retained with me that in, uh, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But, but without thy mind would I do nothing. But I'm not going to take him from you because he was your servant. You are his owner and all this. And I'm, so I'm sending him back to you. And you can decide what's done here. But remember Christ. Look at, look at the, 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 the personal level of communication here between the two of them and... The faithfulness and the honesty, the sincerity. We, we see the dying to self, the humility. Man, we can learn a lot here. We can learn a lot from these two, from, from this simple little letter. From this simple little letter. Now, it, uh, as I said at the beginning, it's not some big doctrinal exposition, but it's just a simple little personal letter from Paul to Philemon. But when we truly Go slowly through this and take a look at the character. The outline of character. It makes us shake our heads. It makes us shake our heads, you know. How little of a candle I hold up to this flame. Whom I would have retained with me that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. 
But without thy mind would I do nothing, that, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. That I, I didn't just keep him here and then just ask that you bless it and you would bless out of necessities. You see, okay, yeah, I really need him and, and okay, you can have him. But rather willingly, I, I want you to, to see him. I want you to talk to Onesimus. I want you to sit down with him and I want you to hear it from his mouth. And I want you to see the change in him and I want, want you to work with Onesimus now. You're not just his owner. You're his brother in Christ. You're not over him. You now need to learn to work with him and be, be a willing participant in the plan of God. You see that? Not of necessity, but willingly. For, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. That perhaps, as Paul speculates here, but perhaps, as Onesimus did run away, but perhaps something was drawing him. He needed to go. He needed to go find Christ. Maybe the Lord had planned this, is what Paul's getting at. Maybe the Lord planned this. This is the hand of God at work. Hold nothing against Onesimus because this might have been very well the plan of God that you would lose Onesimus for a short season that you could re receive him forever. As a brother in Christ forever. Look at this. Or perhaps, therefore it departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant. And look at look at the beginning here. Up uh, up earlier, as you see, that Onesimus was it as it is seen as a slave. The language changes. Not now as a servant, verse sixteen, but above a servant, a brother. But a brother was a slave when he was in sin. As a servant in Christ, but to me he's a brother. But to me he's a brother. It just calls up to mind something else. I did a video a little while ago that uh, caused a lot of contention with some people because I know there are certain individuals of a certain denominational vein where they love to refer to themselves as slaves to Christ of a certain doctrinal persuasion they call themselves slaves to Christ that we're all slaves to Christ no we're not no we're not we're not slaves we are servants but as we see in the scriptures if you do a study on this that the Lord says, I call thee not, not servant, but a son. I call you not servants, but sons. We are children of the Most High God. We're free, not bound. We're free in Christ. Whom, whom the Son hath made free, we are free indeed. We are free in the Lord. We're not slaves. We're not even called servants by God. He doesn't even call us servants. Though we do serve him. Though, though we I do act as servants, he doesn't even call us servants. He calls us children. He calls us sons and daughters. We're not slaves of Christ. We're not slaves of God. We're not slaves in the faith. We're servants of the faith. And we're children of the Most High God. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should see ourselves properly in this. 
not now as a servant, verse 16, but not now as a servant, but above a servant, but above a servant, a brother, and not just a brother, a brother beloved, a brother beloved, especially to me, how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. To look at each other at, at properly in this view, to see each other for who, who we truly are. You and I might not know each other from a hole in the ground. But if we are born again, saved in Christ by grace, through faith, by belief alone in the Lord God, Jesus Christ alone, saved by, by the blood, the spirit, the name of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, but uh, born again, saved, we are blood kin. You and I are closer in relationship in Christ than you even may be in, in physical relationship connection with your family, friends, and relatives. You and I in the Lord are closer in relationship than even you are with your parents. We are blood kin, blood related, blood relatives by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are brothers and sisters beloved, beloved of God. Especially to me, but how much more unto thee? Because now look at, at, at the effectiveness that Anismus can now have for you, Philemon. What he can do for you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. How he ser can serve you now in Christ and in faith. He can now serve you in faith. That Onesimus can now pray for you. Onesimus can now counsel you. Onesimus can now encourage you in the Lord. Look how much more effective he is now for you. How the Lord Jesus Christ can change an individual and even change their effectiveness for work, for a relationship, for service, and everything. So therefore, Philemon, therefore, verse 17, if, if thou count me as a, therefore a partner, if you see me as a, as a partner in Christ, receive Onesimus as myself. Because we're the same in Christ. Because it's the same power. Because I am just a man, Paul says. I'm just a man. I'm, I'm less than an apostle. I'm the least of all the saints. The power that is in me is Jesus Christ and not my own. I am nothing. It's the same as Onesimus. He's nothing. It's the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same God, the same Lord, the same faith, the same spirit is in him as is in me. So when you receive him... You're receiving him as you would receive me. You see that? This is also why we should treat every born-again Christian equally in all honesty and sincerity in faith and love. Because when you're receiving a fellow Christian, you're not receiving the Christian, you're receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, be careful how you talk and treat other Christians. Do you see that? Do you see that? If thou count me therefore a partner, if you see me as a partner in Christ, you now must see him, Onesimus, the same. You must see Onesimus the same. Receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee, if he's done anything against you, if he has wronged you or owes you anything, or with thee aught, put that on my account. I'll repay it. 
Now, Paul is saying this in all sincerity, but we can read between the lines a little bit here. We, we know what uh, by judging Philemon by the character that Paul's laid out, you, you can kind of see how it would have played out. As Paul would say this, that, uh, you know, Philemon, if, if Onesimus has done anything to you, if he's stolen from you, if he owes you anything, just put it on my account. I'll pay it back. You know, Philemon be like, forget it. Forget about that. Because the joy of the Lord would override the debt. The joy of the Lord would override the debt. You see that? If he hath wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that on my account. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. Now, this is special. This is special. Because what we are seeing here is a letter that's written by the very hand, by the very mind of the Apostle Paul. Because generally, much of his writing, you see certain books, certain letters or whatever, were written by the hand of Paul, but many of them were dictated. And he would have an individual that would be working with him, kind of like Onesimus, where Paul would, would speak and would dictate, and then and then this, the, the helper would be penning it down, and the Spirit of God would be also working on the scribe there to make sure that it was penned correctly. So not only is Spirit of God working in Paul, but also with the scribe, that the person is working as the scribe, they would be penning it down. But there would be a little bit of the character of the scribe that would also be included in the letter not just the words of paul but also a little bit of the character by the writing filling it out as paul says something and he would pen it down so you'd see a little bit of the character of both however with philemon you see it's all paul and it and since it's not dictated this is a hyper personal letter so this is something that is so important to Paul, he had to pen it himself. He, was, he wasn't going to have someone else write it, he was going to write it himself. So this is actually 100% purely from the very mind of Paul, inspired by the Spirit of the Living God. This is incredible. I, Paul, have written it with my own hand. I will repay it. And as Paul says right here, being fully honest, if there is anything... I'll pay it back. And I'm swearing this by my own name, by my own signature. My signature's to it. What I said is the truth. And I will not go back on it. And no one can say aught against me about this because I've signed it with my own with my own hand. That's what Paul's saying here. I, Paul, have written with my own hand. I will repay it. It makes me think. You know how our society has changed you know it's it's a sad thing because there used to be an aspect of society where you could trust people at their word that if someone said something and you know this this word they, they promised you could take them at their word that a handshake was is good enough and that's no longer the case everyone is a liar you can't trust anyone anymore but as we see that paul though 
as of such honest character that even if you know the society would be full of full of liars and and faithless faithless individuals whatever paul is of such a character that you could trust him that you could trust him uh, at, at his very word regardless what he said that he spoke honestly we should seek to exemplify exemplify this character that when people hear us speak they know they can trust us when people hear us speak and see us right that they could trust us at our word let your speech be always salted with grace they may know how you ought to answer every man we should seek to be this to exemplify this character I, I, Paul, have written with my own hand, I will repay it. Albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thy own self besides. <laughs> but we see a little bit of humor of Paul in here as well. As Paul does say, now look, if there's anything owing, I'll pay it. Look, I signed it with my own name here. Um, uh, uh, I will repay it. But don't you forget how, how you, you owe yourself to me now. We see, we see humor. The, Paul's actually joking with Philemon here. There's a little bit of humor in this. And you see, on such the personal level, there's there's a certain joy, a joyous inflection and humor written in here, as Paul says, and don't you forget how you owe yourself to me in all of this, too, how much I've done for you. So you can see this is what Paul's getting at. It's just a bit of humor. Because he says in verse 20, Yea, brother, brother of such closeness of such familial closeness yea brother let me have joy of thee in the lord let us rejoice together in all of this let us rejoice together in all of this refresh my passions my bowels in the lord but by receiving onesimus by hearing me out in this and rejoice with me in this that that another one has been found by christ having confidence in thy obedience i wrote unto thee Look at this, verse 21. Having confidence in thy obedience. As uh, Again, as we're talking about the character of Philemon, uh, as he's so obedient unto the Lord, you can trust his very character, that you don't have to worry about him. Oh, I wonder what he'll say. You don't even have to do that. There's no wringing of the hands with Philemon. That you can take him at his word, you can trust his character, you can trust his behavior, his personality, and all this. That that you you know exactly how he's going to respond when he reads this letter. There's no doubt. Oh, if we were all like this. Imagine if the if all born again Christians were like this. Imagine the state of the world if all born again Christians are like this. Could you imagine the revivals? Could you imagine the effectiveness? Could you imagine the witness? Could you imagine what what we could accomplish if all born-again Christians were like this? If we could trust each other at our word. But hearing is an issue that that even amongst born-again saints, so many of us today, for some reason, that that there's a, a nagging doubt. Though they're a brother or sister in Christ, it's like there's a nagging doubt. Can I truly 100% trust them? 
Can I trust them to react properly? That they're not just going to throw a fit? That they're not just going to ignore the Philemon's not just going to ignore this letter and just rip Onesimus apart? Could you imagine if we could sincerely, honestly trust one another to not react in flesh, but to react in spirit, to trust each other to speak in spirit and not in flesh? having confidence do you have true confidence with your brothers and sisters in christ do or turn it around can they have confidence in you do they have confidence in you it's one thing to blame others but you gotta remember there's three fingers pointing back every time you point a finger there's three fingers pointing back if you're going to judge others, you must judge yourself by the same standard. Can they trust you? Can they look up to you? Do they have confidence in you? Can they take you by your word? That when you speak, you're speaking the God-honest truth. That when you work, you're working in sincerity and honesty. That you would never mess with the scales. That everything you do is honest and sincere and truthful before the Lord God Almighty. That God smiles upon what you're doing because you're walking in honesty and sincerity before the Lord. In all Christ-likeness. You don't let your flesh control you. Having confidence in thy obedience, I run unto thee. So Paul, Paul says here, one of the last things he says in this letter is the reason I'm writing you is because I can trust you. The reason I'm writing you is because I can trust you. That what I confide in you about, I know you keep it to yourself and I know that you'll be faithful and I know that, that I can trust you with this. Can you put yourself in Philemon's shoes? Can you truly, honestly, before God, step into Philemon's shoes? Now, Philemon was just a man, but he was a man who was the friend of God. And not just a friend of God, but the friend, the best friend of the Apostle Paul. Could you call yourself that? Could Paul trust you? If you replaced Philemon here, and, he, and Paul was writing you this letter, what would the letter say? Would it be like this? Again, Philemon was just a man. But as we see, he was just a man, a sinner saved by grace. He was a devil that's become a saint. He was a pagan a worshiper of false gods, now worships the true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's faithful and loving in the faith, Christ-like and all of this. And look at the effectiveness that he has upon the faith. It goes to show that it is possible. It is possible. It can be done. The only reason we don't is because we don't want to. People don't do things because they just don't want to. People don't do things because they just don't want to. It's just easier to give into the flesh. It's easier to just react. It's just easier just to, to not walk honestly. 
It's easier to fly apart. It's easier to have the tantrums. It's easier to be apathetic. It's easy to not pray. It's easy to not be faithful. But as you see, by Philemon, who is just a man, a sinner, saved by grace, no different than you or I, look at his character. Look at his Christ-likeness. Look at what he's accomplished in just a short while. You can't say, well, that was just back then. Sin is sin. Mankind is the same. Nobody's different. Philemon was not an apostle. Philemon was not one of the twelve disciples. Philemon was just a businessman who got saved. And he was taught the scriptures. But he chose. He determined in himself. He'd be faithful. Because Christ was faithful. He'd be faithful in what he could do. He'd be faithful in whatever whatever his hands found that, that would find to do. He'd be faithful to the Lord. He would do with all his might before the Lord. He would give it to the Lord. So you can see then. It's a choice. Christ likeness is a choice. Faithfulness and love in the faith is a choice. Honesty is a choice. Honest character in Christ is a choice. If you cannot say honestly that you could put yourself in the shoes of Philemon, that's because you chose. You chose. To diminish your character in Christ. You chose of your own free will. But in this we can turn it around and we can choose to better ourselves. We can choose to be faithful. We can right the wrongs. We can reconcile ourselves to Christ again. And walk in in faithfulness and spirit and in truth and honesty. We can choose to be better if we really want to. We can spend more time with the Lord if we truly wanted to. We make time for everything else that's out there. We need to learn to make time for Christ. We see how he is always faithful to us. Why can't we be faithful? We say, oh, my sin gets in the way. What was Philemon's excuse then? He's no different than you or I. So we see it's a choice. Let us love. Let us be faithful. Let us be honest. Let us be sincere. Let us be dependable that others can depend upon us, that others can have such confidence in us and they can trust us with anything. They can trust us with anything. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. I know you, Philemon. I know your character. I know you not, you're not just going to be faithful in what I've asked about Onesimus. You're going to go above and beyond. I know what you're like. I know you, Philemon. I know you're going to do that. You're going to do more than what I've even asked. Knowing that thou will also do more than I say. But yet so many of us 
apathetic and jaded in the faith. We're more like by the book bobbies. We 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 only just we only work to rule. Just we only do the bare minimum of what's required. And it's like pulling teeth to try to get us to go above and beyond. Whatever happened to excitement in Christ? Look at Philemon. Philemon shames me. And I look at him and what he's done and his character and all this, and it's just, I have so much I can learn from Philemon. And he was not even a disciple, uh, but one of the disciples of Christ. He's not an apostle. He's just some unknown man named Philemon who was a businessman who got saved. And look what Paul, how Paul explains him. What kind of letter would I receive from Paul? Could Paul have confidence in me? Could Paul trust that I could go above and beyond? Put yourself in this letter. How can I better myself so that I could be seen as faithful? Not just so that others would see me faithful, but just that because I'm faithful unto Christ. I don't care what other people see me. I don't care if they like me. I don't care if they don't like me. I, that, that Their appreciation of me is irrelevant. I don't covet their smiles. I don't fear their frowns. I don't care, care what they think of me. I care what the Lord thinks of me. Am I faithful to him? Can, does God have confidence in me? Does Jesus have confidence in me? Can God depend on me to fulfill the work? And not just work to rule but that i would desire i'd be willing i would want to go above and beyond because i love him because i love him knowing that thou wilt also do more than i say but withal prepare me also a lodging for i trust that through your prayers i should be given unto you that i'm sending this letter on ahead i i, I am desiring to come and see you and that the three of us, me, you, Philemon, and Onesimus, can worship Jesus Christ together. The fulfillment of the story. The fulfillment of the story. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? Apostle Paul, Philemon, and the slave. Equal in the eyes of God. Such a trio, such a trinity of grace here. Apostle Paul, mighty Apostle Paul, regular, unknown, rich businessman, and a slave. Same Lord, same Christ, same cross, same blood, same spirit, same grace, same faith, same way of salvation. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what you've done. Saul of Tarsus, blasphemer of Christ, murderer of saints, destroyer of churches, becomes a saint. Unknown pagan businessman, rich, he gets born again saved. Unknown, un, uh, unknown Onesimus, slave, thief, runaway, saved. 
It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what you've done. The book of Philemon, the letter of Philemon is such a beautiful and joyous letter because it shows us true character what of what is possible, of the power of God, and what can happen, that uh, the sheer impossibilities that the Lord can orchestrate of, of such complexity uh, to Onesimus meeting Paul in Rome getting saved. What are the odds? All of this is seen in this little letter to Philemon. But withal, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I should be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, and the others that are with Philemon, other saints and laborers and fellow soldiers in Christ, Born again, saved, just as they were. Same grace, same faith, same Lord. Of the same power, of the same impossibilities. What are the odds that you got saved? What are the odds that I got saved? This is a letter of miracles. A letter of miracles, a letter of the grace of God, as it ends with verse 25, the grace, the grace, by God's grace, we don't deserve it. We didn't deserve God's impossible complexity of manipulation and divine appointment and how he worked it out, his faithfulness to us while we were devils. Oh, you're enemies of God. And that God still orchestrated and worked and he fashioned and he molded and he called and he drew and he, and he convicted and he showed and he enlightened the work of God that went into saving us. The faithfulness because God is not willing that any should perish and doesn't matter who or what ye are. All sins will be forgiven. The grace, the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The end of Philemon. There you go. Any other thoughts, comments, questions, issues, insights, anything at all? What's what's on your heart? What's on your mind? Please go ahead, ask away. Be glad, be glad to hear from you. As that wraps that up and uh it's such, such an encouraging little letter. But it goes to show something that's, that's really amazing. That this book, it's not just a book. This, like Moses on Sinai, when he asked the Lord if he could actually see the Lord and not just see the cloud, but he wanted to see the Lord. And the Lord says, no, it's not possible. No man has seen God any time I live. No one can behold him. But rather what the Lord said is he took Moses and hid him in the cleft of the rock. It's just that that'll preach. And that God covered him. And, it, and then God says, as I pass by, I will part the cloud just, just, just a little sliver, just a little sliver. And you can see just a little sliver of me, of my back. 
And that was just enough to, to make Moses' face shine bright. His book is just barely a sliver of the mind of God. Of his power, of his ability, of his faithfulness, of his honesty, of his trustworthiness, of his salvation. This is just a sliver. This came from his mind, this came from his heart, this came from him as he inspired others to write about him in the volume of the book. It's written of me, it's all about him. From Genesis to Revelation, every story, everything, all miracles, all that happened, all the control, all the manipulation, all that's done. It's all about him. It's all about him. And he had this all penned down and preserved so that we might learn the the lengths the extent that the lord would go just to save you and me how far the lord will go in his faithfulness and his truth and his ability to to help us and to hold us to save a soul how far the shepherd will go to find the one that strayed Look at how far that the Lord went and then all of the details of all things. We weren't told how long it took from Onesimus from where he ran away from Philemon to when he met Paul. We're not told how much time went. Could it have been a day, a few days? Could it have been a week, a month, years? Who knows? It's because time is irrelevant. Time is irrelevant with the Lord. He is faithful and he is able and it doesn't matter matter whether you walk or whether you run the lord is able it doesn't matter if you're alive or even dried up dead bones like the prophet in the cave god is able to use your dry dead bones it doesn't matter the lord is able the lord is faithful he is faithful so let us be faithful to him there we go just some thoughts so i hope there's been a help and comfort and encouragement to you hope that's given you something to think about i'll wrap it up there <clears throat> um okay going down through the comments see if i didn't miss anything hey good morning good morning how's it going how's it going baking while listening to this, this god-given morning awesome <laughs> all right uh going down through Lindsay says hi ccts please Please keep my family in prayer. Our health is suffering, and we would love to make it to church Sunday for our participation in the presentation of the story of the Nativity and Gospel. All right, everybody in here, everybody sees this, if you could please pray for uh, Lindsay here in the comments, that uh, the Lord to heal her and strengthen her and encourage her and her family, that they would recover swiftly from this uh, illness and whatnot, and be praying for Lindsay. All right, going down through. All right, that wraps that up. And with that, if I could also ask uh, you folks could be praying for my family as well. There's been a bug going around and, and different uh, people are getting sick in our church and be praying for my dad as well as he's uh, not well and for my mom as she's recovering as, as well. And uh, you could be praying for my wife as uh, she works. She is having a lot of hand and shoulder pain. If you please keep my wife in your prayers as well. 
um, as the Lord would raise us up and strengthen us and heal us from all this. So, all right. Um, see in the comment, Robert says, do you have a video on what it means to pray in the spirit as well as what it means to worship God in spirit and in, and in truth? Yes, I have a playlist on some of that. Um, um, I'll have to d dig it up. But if you want to, Robert, if you want to email me, and if anybody else is, is interested in the same kind of thing, uh, go to christiancoffeetime.ca if you don't already have our email address. If you go to christiancoffeetime.ca, there's a contact us link there. You can shoot us an email and you uh, and you make a request there. Uh, let, let me know what you're looking for and I can dig up videos or materials or playlists or whatever else to, to send it to you that, that, that you need. So um, also, if you would like some free downloadable gospel track PDFs and e-tracks, we also have them available on our website, christiancoffeetime.ca and links to all our other accounts and platforms. But yeah, uh, but uh, if you want uh, some information on that, just shoot me an email. Let me know what you're looking for and I can dig it up for you. Alrighty. Okay. All right. So there we go. So that'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining, folks. God bless you. So I hope this has been a help and a comfort and encouragement to you as it was to me to, to go through Philemon. Just a simple little letter, but so mighty. So mighty when you slow down. Slow down your reading. Really spend time on each point on each thing and look at what is said what is being said what by implication as well and and, and pair what you're reading with other aspects of the word of god and just slow down your reading don't just read the scripture study it and you get so much more you get so much more so be led by the spirit of god through your reading slow down let him speak you, you're not dictating to you the scriptures you're sitting at the feet of Jesus and he's teaching you. He's teaching you. Slow down. Take your time. So with that, wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining in, folks. God bless you. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless. <laughs>